Welcome back to Brooklands and this edition of The Track. My name's Tim Morris. The Brooklands Summer Fate has been in full swing throughout August. And there have been some great things going on down there for the, for the kids and the youngsters. And you may have seen some familiar characters from the past as well around the paddock and the motoring village. And uh, we, we meet two of them now, uh, John Johnson and Kay Peter. We introduced uh, one of the fantastic events that did take place uh, during August, Aston Martin Heritage Festival. It really was a fantastic event with hundreds of Aston Martin cars descending on Brooklands, uh, including a fantastic display of early Le Mans team cars. And Julian will catch up with Stephen Archer in a short while uh, to talk about those. But before that, let's hand over to John Johnson of the Illustrated Sporting and Dramatic Newspaper, who is talking to Kay Peter. Uh, nice to see you all, and uh, we have someone very special here today. We have here, of course, Kay Peter, the darling of Brooklands, who rubs shoulders with aristocracy and uh, royalty alike, uh, Charlie Chaplin, movie stars, things like that. Well, of course, uh, we are also here celebrating uh, the engineering marvel that is Aston Martin, uh, which is excellent. It seems that many people have brought their Aston Martins here today, and I know that you had some car trouble in the Brooklands 500. Uh, how would you feel about taking an Aston Martin 180? laps around this very fine track here at Brooklands. Well, I'd be very excited if anyone's offering me one. I'd happily accept. Yes, and of course the most famous Aston Martin from the early 20th century is of course the Aston Martin razor blade, which broke many uh, records here at Brooklands and is a very, very fine car indeed. So perhaps uh, we could start that one up and take it around the track a bit later on. <laughs> Promising nothing, of course. But thank you very much. It's been John Johnson reporting for the Illustrated Sporting and Dramatic Newspaper. The history of Aston Martin cars here at Brooklands goes back a very long time. It was in 1920 that an Aston Martin car won for the first time. It was in 1922 that Aston Martins achieved 10 records in one day. And in the same year of 1922, they set a new Test Hill record. But it was in 1926 that was very significant for Aston Martins and Brooklands because that was when Lionel Martin and Robert Bamford moved their works from the centre of London to Feltham, which is only 10 miles down the road. And they used Brooklands to test all their pre-war cars. That's why the cars were called the Feltham cars. Sadly, in 1939, at the onset of World War II, Brooklands was requisitioned and a factory was built to make Hurricane and Wellington bombers. And that was the end of the racing here. Downton Abbey enthusiasts will have noticed that the 1916 Brooklands uh, Whitson meeting was actually filmed at Goodwood. Nevertheless, it did capture the thrill, the excitement and the danger of motor racing in that era. But not only the motor racing aspect, it was the social side of Brooklands in those days that was so important. It was the place to be, the place to be seen at, the place to be. And all the meetings were run by the British Automobile Racing Club, the BARC, and they had a saying about Brooklands, which was, it was the right crowd and no crowding. I will be going around the paddock just talking to the custodians, the owners, the people who work on the cars and also people who just enjoy coming to see them. So come with me and we'll have a look round. It's going to be a wonderful day.
I'm with the pre-war cars with Stephen Archer, a well-known personality in the Aston Martin world, and we're standing in front of what he describes as perhaps the most important car here today. Tell us about it. Well, reluctant to call out one car as the most important, because all of these cars are fantastic, and this is the best lineup of team cars I've seen for many, many years. But this is an M20, uh, and it's the car that came third at Le Mans in 1935, uh, driven by Breckenbury and Martin, and third at Le Mans then, and winning the Rudge Whitworth Cup meant actually they were technically the winners of Le Mans that year so this is a phenomenally successful car and this is to my mind as important as the DBR1 that won Le Mans 59. And you've driven it? I have raced it many times many times all over the country I've done the Goodwood Revival in this car and the Silverstone Classic and it's always served me extremely well so uh, and I've I think I've looked after this car quite well too. So uh, we, we're, uh, we're good friends, me and this car. But this is LM18 here also. Let's walk uh, down. Which also featured in Le Mans 1935. Um, I started racing this car in 1985, in fact. And uh, it's a super super balanced well settled in team car this one actually i had i did embarrass myself in um i put it on the front row of the grid of the silverstone classic in 1991 and uh took over from nick mason who was uh, started the stint and on the first lap i spun it um never mind we were talking the next day we were talking where i was trying the result was fine absolutely fine <laughs> so no it's it's a stunning car it's owned by chloe mason nick's daughter now well, we've had the embarrassing story any funny stories about racing these pre-war cars uh that's pretty funny isn't it um well this one here actually this, i'll tell you this one this lm17 i raced for many years as well uh, but i took my wife down to le mans in this on the road in 85 for the big reunion as you do and as, as they you used do to. drove it on the road and uh, needless to say no room for luggage whatsoever so we had we had a very cozy trip down there and uh and 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 yeah we we, we survived five days with no luggage so and, and you're still married so it's we're, and, we're, and we're still, <laughs> still no i think there's great bonding from adversity so i'll, t- I'll take that definitely definitely <laughs> right, let's move on down so what 34 else? car this is um from the tt 1934 but here is a sister car lm15 uh, i drove that at goodwood last year and the silverstone classic fantastically well put together car uh, marvellous marvellous history and it it drives like a dream absolute dream but interesting this one here 14 another sister car is the only one surviving with the drilled and lightened chassis so this is also a special car look at this 14 15 16 17 18 when it's they, when spectacular they, when they drilled and lightened the chassis did it did it make it flex is it not so no they, it, it didn't make it flex but it did lighten it and it because of it they uh, they actually banned this car from the tourist trophy in, in 34 so but they that, are over engineered in in terms well, of strength oh, no, oh, there's no risk to it no no no, no, no that's what I mean. The no, 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 no. Just want, as if you was not being sporting at the time. So therefore, yeah, no, yes, exactly. So that's that's how they uh, they view that. Going back a few years now to LM LM9. I've not raced this one, but look at it. It's, it's absolutely presented perfectly. And now I have a particular affection for this car because I raced it from 1980 with my brother. Uh, my father and, and my mother also drove it a lot. Uh, and this car has got, as you can see, great patina because this is how Inman Hunter, former apprentice at Feltham, rebuilt the car when he bought it post-war. So it's really got the character and thank goodness no one's spoiled that. It is as close to off the circuit at Le Mans 1931 as you're going to get 
and of course it's an ex-Brooklands car too as driven by uh, Mrs Bill Wisdom and Mortimer Morris Goodall, the founder of the MOC and so, Stephen Archer and, well and Stephen Archer but I'm, I'm, I'm a lesser mortal compared to those, those great people Wrong. who race this car well let's move on to moving LM4 moving on a little bit a little bit earlier now LM4 also a veteran of, of Brooklands uh, as you can see spectacularly rebuilt now recently raced by Darren Turner and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful car but I have to go back to the beginning here, if you like. L- LM1 here, uh, the very first Aston to race at Yeah, I'm sorry we're doing this in the wrong order, but... No, 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 I, I think it's rather good, actually, in reverse. Yes. Well, why not? Why not? Yeah. So LM1, the first Aston to uh, race at Le Mans, 1929. They actually had a few years break after that, but um, uh, gave a good account of themselves. Of course, the LM naming of the car started with this one, so it was destined for Le Mans, so it was LM1, and then that carried on to LM23 in 1936. But this is it, based on the international, of course. Look how simple and light and pure this car is. But look and at the aerodynamic way that the... Absolutely. You know, the this aer- is aerodynamics there, the two, ca- two tones which Sammy Davis, who raced it at Le Mans then, uh, chose for the car, and, of course, the black badge, unique black badge on this car, which we'll, is also a we'll hallmark take, of that. We'll take a close look at the black badge hey, now. Tell yeah, me about you, the black badge. You should. Well, that was also uh, a, a Sammy Davis hallmark for the car. Um, it's very elegant, very distinctive, and uh, for those who think it's just a bit of personalisation, it's not... It was uh, it was significant. It's a standout car, and it still is today. So, all of these cars here really form the basis for Aston Martin as a racing mark. This is what it's all about. Any Aston Martin you see today owes its presence to these cars. I don't think I've seen a better lineup of pre-war cars. Well, the line of pre-war cars is spectacular. I can't remember the last time I saw that. I'd have to go back a long time, if ever. Uh, but even for, for the... But it's not just pre-war cars, is it? Just it's not. Across. No, it's not. It is, it's absolutely incredible. But, but to see all these team cars together, but also the DB24s, the 4s, the 5s, and then, of course, all this enthusiasm, which has continued into, into the more modern cars. And, but you know, if, if you were to dissect an Aston Martin, even the modern ones, and you could pick out DNA, they would all have DNA of of sport and history. You can trace it back. You can can absolutely trace it back to to racing. Uh, It is all about the car being ultimately a track-worthy vehicle as well. So, you know, the DB6... You could say it was a touring car of the late 60s, but it owed its existence to the DB4 and the GT, and they were racing cars of, of their day. They all have their ancestry in that. The modern cars were raced at Le Mans as well. So it's never, it's never stopped, thank goodness. And right. if they stop, they lose their DNA, and they lose also that just that edge of purity about the way they drive. This is a very unfair, unfair question. <laughs> to drive home today and to keep it for the rest of your life... Which car would you steal? It'd probably be LM20, actually. Uh, the, the team car at the end, LM20, because um, you can drive it anywhere. It's actually fast, and uh, you can do an awful lot with it. So, and, and tr- it's, just, it's also in my, it's in my blood. That car and that type of car is absolutely in my bloodstream, so I just wear it. So I, I, I take that home all, all day long. Terrific. Stephen, thank you for this. Absolute pleasure. Your knowledge on these cars is is superb no no that's good well it's great to be here and well done to brooklands for hosting such a spectacular event it's really impressive very happy to be here i heard the train coming 
Classic Car Show at the end of July in the Brooklyn's paddock. You heard there uh, Fulsom Prison Blues they started with, uh, moving on to Pinball Wizard and That's Alright. It's part of a medley that they do uh, halfway through their set. And now we head back to Julian, who's talking to Richard and Michelle Royal about their Aston Martin DB2. Then after that she'll be talking to David Barsley of uh, CMC about the legendary Bulldog car. Well, 
So I'm standing in front of this beautiful car with Richard Royal, the owner. Richard, tell us about the car, how, you, how long you've had it. We've had it about 20 years. Uh, it was at an auction and we just fell in love with it. Uh, it had been on the Old Court show stand in 1950 and it was such a superb one that we just felt we fell in love with it and we had to own it. And is this your first Aston? First Aston. Um, it was raced in America by the Phil Hill organization and then brought to Germany by Mr. Robert Labour, who at the time owned 32 cars and couldn't help himself buying five more at the auction, even though he was sadly dying of cancer. Uh, so we bought it off him at the auction. And um, we've had splendid time with it ever since. Um, tell us about the specification of it. It's a 2.6 straight six. Um, and it's just... It's been featured just recently. Featured in, in Let's have books, a look. In particular, Aston Martin early models. So it's quite and a we, famous car. It's quite a famous car, historically. It was... Uh, uh, made into a racing piece and as I say raced in America uh, and uh, she's been absolutely gorgeous to drive uh, and, and what do you drive. do with the car? we take it to concourse events and to moments just like this at Brooklyn's and to Goodwood of course and um, we just thoroughly enjoy it and what's your impression of the day today with all the Astons here at Brooklands? Well, I just love the Felton cars because I think they're the beginning of Aston Martin and, uh, and have a wonderful progeny. And it's wonderful to see so many cars here today. Yeah, what, what year is your car? 1950. Yes. Just before the project cars that went and uh, came third at Le Mans. Yes, but all the cars have a DNA of uh, Brooklands in them. Of course they do, yes. And that's what's so lovely, isn't it? It is wonderful, it really is. Yes, and the plans for the future, just to keep it? Just carrying on, yes. Family going to inherit it? Or? Probably, yes. Yes? Yep. They're taking an interest in it? Um, the son is beginning to, yes. And how old is your son? He is 40. But so obviously youngsters have other things in mind to do, so uh, we'll see how it goes. Has he it. driven the car? No, he hasn't as yet, no. This is something you have to... Yes, I think you're probably You have right. to start educating him now. That's the first thing I need to do, yes. Go yeah. home and... and get him get him going get on. him going yes. on the car no it's, yes. it's really wonderful to see both of you here with the car because you obviously both enjoy it uh, oh, yes. come on in yeah michelle yeah yes. so michelle uh, how much do you enjoy the car very much in spite of the heat today i still enjoy it and it's beautiful we had a lot of fun in it going to le mans to uh, trips in uh, the loire whatever we so, use it whatever so the weather country, yes. Uh, yes and we also don't use it just because it's a nice day yes we prefer not to be in the rain in it because it's not very good in the rain but we use it and I think it's important. It. It's important is, to use that is classic cars. The secret of having these old so cars. So many people you, don't use their car if the weather is bad. Absolutely. Uh, we don't go out to find the bad weather, but we use it. It's really good. And it is Look, nice. Fantastic. Yeah, Thank you fun. both Thank of you, you for sharing the thoughts on your beautiful car. We're under the wings of Concord and I'd like you to introduce yourself and tell yes. us why you're here with Bulldog. Well, my name's David Barsley. I'm Marketing Director at Classic Motor Cars in Bridge North, CMC, and we've restored Bulldog for its owner. Fantastic, and you've brought it here today looking after it. Tell us we, about the car. Well, the car was going to be the fastest production car that Aston Martin had ever built, um, and that was 1980, and Aston Martin said, it's going to reach 200 miles an hour. It didn't reach 200 miles an hour, it reached 191 miles an hour, 
uh, and they said, well, we'll do some more testing. Um, I think what then happened was that Aston Martin ran out of money. They had other priorities, as in those days they did. So um, it, it was, wasn't for sale. It was sitting in Newport Pagnell, and somebody came along, and I think he was a Middle Eastern gentleman who said, I'd like to buy it. And there was some toing and throwing at Aston Martin about whether they should sell it and how much for. And he drove out of the uh, Newport Pagnell with the car. And again, we believe that on the way back, I'm not sure where the car was going, but the engine blew up. Um, the car then sort of disappeared for a while, so it disappeared from view. Um, it was in the Middle East at one point, it was back here at one point. It was found two years ago, just over two years ago now, in America, um, I believe by R.M. Sotheby's, who contacted Richard Gauntlet, um, Victor Gauntlet's son, um, who has a client and a friend called Philip Sarafin, and Philip Sarafin purchased the car. Um, Is he the current owner? He's the current owner and he decided that he wanted the car totally restored and rebuilt and he wanted the car to do the 200 miles an hour but it never did. Um, we've been testing it, it's been tested with the Royal Navy at the Royal Naval Air Station at Yeovilton. I think we got it up to about 168 miles an hour. Um, it's producing over a hundred, a thousand brake horsepower so we have no doubt that it will do that but it's the original engine which we've just strengthened. Um, so I think in the day um, there were a lot of things that perhaps they didn't need to do in those days that we have done now to make it safe and so that so it will do the, that speed. So, so it's so. certainly a very big lump and it's beautifully mid-mounted, isn't it? Ab I mean, the, the way that it is uh, put into the chassis is, is, is remarkable, really. I mean, it puts... Um, it, it's a fantastic car to drive, um, and I think everybody's surprised when they see it. Um, one of the things that I think constantly annoys us is people look at it and say, ah, it's a DeLorean, and we have to point out that, of course, it's not a DeLorean, um, but it's a, it's a William Towns car. I've just uh, uh, met Craig. So, Craig, you've been involved in the restoration of this car. Yeah. Uh, tell us what your input has been. Uh, I did all like the electric side of it, so rebuilding all the loom, which was a mess. Uh, we changed it from mechanical fuel injection because it wasn't reliable I and mean, you couldn't get it to actually run an engine like this. So it's gone to like a modern fuel injection system and it controls everything to keep it cool and keep on top of everything, keep it all on track. Dare I ask how many miles to the gallon it would do or how many gallons to the mile? Oh, it's, it's, it's terrible. It is? It, it, it's really bad. Well, I suppose if you have to ask the question, um, you shouldn't <laughs> be driving the bulldog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we was at it on the, doing the tune-up on the dyno, running it all up and stuff, we was constantly running backwards, backwards and forwards to the fuel station. So it was just like and and the best output of power you had from it? Uh, enough to kill the dino. So we haven't actually wow. got a proper number from it because the dino wouldn't take it. I don't know whether this was on my bucket list, but sitting here in Bulldog is is quite an experience and it's something I won't forget. Uh, pity the barriers are up and pity... Oh, the keys are in it. That's pretty fantastic. Right, it's the driving position is actually quite good. The visibility is good. Um, pedals are a little bit far enough away, but it's, it has a, a road race driving position, which is great, very comfortable, well supported, as you would want with a car of this power. 
the decor interior is is minimalistic really uh, but you don't want to be looking at a lot of dials and gauges and fiddling around with knobs when you're doing this sort of speed so fantastic uh, the passenger seat is empty and that's the way I'd like it really <laughs> what an experience uh, roll on a test drive is all I can say please uh, the key's just there, so as long yeah. as it's that, is that neutral? it should be, yeah, it should be neutral, so, yeah. Yeah, that feels neutral. Yeah. Right, so, start button. Uh, no, just turn it. Let just the fuel come through and yeah. throttle. Nope, don't touch it. You can hear it, I'm sure. You probably can't hear me, but it, uh, it, it's smooth, but it's vibrating. And I'm not sure, I'm looking for the rev counter. I, yeah, the display is, is fairly good. We have enough fuel for about 10 seconds, I should imagine. Um, it sounds fantastic. Well, that's the second bucket list and the third one we will be to actually drive it. Hopefully when they're testing it, uh, I might be allowed to have a sit in it. Probably won't be allowed to be doing 200 miles an hour. I believe Darren Turner's got that job. Uh, lucky Darren. But, wow, thank you Bulldog team for letting me drive it and or sit in it. And thank you to the owner for allowing it to be here at Brooklands today on this amazing amazing celebration of Aston Martins. Terrific. I'm not getting out of here. Bye. Brooklyn's News. Major work is still taking place on the uh, Brooklyn's Clubhouse. Uh, where a new lift is being installed, the tower is being repaired, and the balcony uh, around the members' bar as well. So expect uh, lots of scaffolding around the clubhouse when you next visit. Just slightly away from Brooklyn's, uh, we'll mention an exhibition about Sir Barnes Wallace, which is taking place at the Tithe Barn in Effingham on the 10th and 11th of September. Because Barnes Wallace uh, is most famous perhaps for inventing the Dam Buster's Bouncing Bomb, but there's plenty more to his life, which you can find out in Effingham. Back at the museum, on the 4th of September, we have the American Car Day. Then on the 11th, we have Emergency Services Day, always a fun day for all the family. We have a club day on the 18th. The TVR Club will be in with their cars. And then uh, the Brookness members will be holding a special talk on the 22nd of September about the Silver Spitfire. And then finally on the 25th, we have a, a new event in the Brookness calendar. It will be German Day. So expect uh, lots of BMWs and Audis. Find more about all the events, of course, on the web at brooklandsmuseum.com. Thanks for listening. Thank mm-hmm. you.